Hello, I'm Matt Wills and welcome to Discussing Documentaries. As always, next to me is Rick Walton. So, let's begin. Welcome to Discussing Documentaries. That's as happy and upbeat as I'm going to get on this episode because we have got a classic Rick pick. Well, I'll tell it's you called, what, there's no one yeah. listening to that going, oh, that's a shame. I could have done with more of Matt Happy. <laughs> that was really popping. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Rick, I don't know why you've chosen this documentary. Uh, you're currently in not just my bad books because we're we watched this and it's a Friday, which means I'm going to go into the weekend with this shit in my head. So it's called West of Memphis. It's from the year 2012. It was provide The provider was Apple or Amazon. It cost £3.49 on both sites. So um, there's a monopoly thing going on there. The director was Amy Berg. Now, she also directed Janice, Little Girl Blue, which I'm going to go and watch, as well as Deliver Us from Evil which I'm not going to go and watch this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Although Rick, you might want to check out uh, Amy Berg's other work because deliver us from evil. That is right up your street, mate. Okay. Uh, the money that West of Memphis made was $318,317, which ain't bad for a documentary, right? I mean, it's not Michael Moore numbers, but that, that's a healthy return. Uh, the accolades, it was the winner of the WIFTS Foundation International Visionary Award, and it was nominated for 10 others, including a BAFTA and a Writers Guild of America. And after you've watched the documentary, you can see why. Right? The writing is superb. The directing is su- There's loads of plus points in this documentary, but for me, there's loads of down points. And I'll give you the blurb. It's an examination of the failure of justice in the case of the West Memphis Free. Now, this is not an easy watch, and the blurb barely touches on the horror, so I'm going to issue you a warning. We have other episodes. Rick is one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. He's knocked out 20 of these document uh, discussing documentary podcasts with me, and 19 of them are brilliant. This one is going to be scary. So it's a warning now. If you're easily upset, go listen to another episode. If not, stick with us as we discuss West of Memphis. Rick, what are you doing to me, baby? What's going on? All right. Okay. So I'm going to be talking to Matt and the listeners through this one because these, I think, are (laughs) two different entities I have to discuss because I think West of Memphis (laughs) is one of the best documentaries because one of the first true crime ones that I really sat down and watched. If you listen to this and you like your true crime documentaries, West of Memphis kind of does in a documentary everything correctly. Like the way it's put together, the way it's shot, the order in which they do it is absolutely genius. It's it's brilliant. Being from the UK, we obviously never heard of the story of the West Memphis 3. And I've got a thing, um, because we had the Birmingham 6 in this country. Whenever you're... Um, so I got mates who went out on the drink in Leeds and they stayed in this hotel in Harrogate and they got absolutely battered and they went into a conference room and they were sat up for a business the next day and they trashed the conference room and were chucking cake everywhere <laughs> and all sorts. And there was about 12 of them there, but only five <laughs> 
No, 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 in fact, there was actually six. So only six of them got collared by the police because the other two, the other six, were staying in their rooms. So right. this is when they were like twenty, twenty-one, or something like that. So it filtered back which ones needed to go back down to Harrogate to um, to oh. be interviewed by the police and to go to court and to be fined. And they're, they're now known as the Harrogate Six. <laughs> <laughs> So I, it's I, never it's never like the West London one, is it? There's always <laughs> a. It has to be more than one. He's got to be a multiple. So, right, tell just lay out the structure of the documentary for us. So, so the the story begins um, of Arkansas West Memphis. Um, three children are found hogtied in a ditch with mutilated cuts all over their bodies, and then. So we go through the story, but we're seeing it from the news reports of the time. Yeah. The story that's telling us. So their first suspects, they think there's a devil satanic cults involved. Yeah. And the three kids they round up. Now this, again, the reason why of all the true crime coerced confession documentaries, the reason why this one was held back to be first is you'll see a lot of tropes that are in this one. Trope number one is there will always be a David Miss Kelly. Right. I uh, bless him, low IQ, like not in a public school where, and he will be interrogated for three days by the police and then they will have a statement saying exactly what they want to make. Yeah. There's always one person that's unfortunately the fall guy. So what I'm reading into that is I'm going to have to sit through a lot more of these type of documentaries. That's what you're telling me. Oh, you, this is you easing me into it, isn't it? Hey, you wait until uh, you've met a Mr. Brendan Dassey. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, lovely. Right, but, okay. Um, now, just to point out where West of Memphis is, I Googled it. It's next door to Tennessee. Uh, it's six hours from the Barkley Marathons race, or it's a 20-minute drive to Elvis's house, Graceland, in the st- in the next door state. So it's it's set in the state of Arkansas, and it's next to the state of Tennessee. And it's weirdly enough, it's the same town is divided. It's got a county line running through it. Oh we, right. I, I I don't know why I find that so strange because they've fo- they've followed the river basically for the county line. So um yeah, it's that Memphis that you that you think of, you know, the good old Opry and all of that sort of stuff. It's there. Or slightly west of it, I imagine. Well, yeah. <laughs> the West Coast Memphis lot. That's what this is. <laughs> so so we're seeing that the story saw the first, the three kids they ran up uh, is Jesse Miss Kelly, Jason Baldwin, and Damien Eccles on three counts of capital murder. Then we have the news footage of people like from their school going, well, I'm not surprised by this guy, blah, 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 blah. And it's just kind of, it again, shows you the media biased on court cases. Yeah. And whenever there's a big case, how things get rushed and they just need a conviction very quickly. Yep. Um, the pressure that the police must be under, right? Because three eight-year-old boys have been killed. They have to get someone. They have to. And they'll go... And I don't mean this in a bad way. I think the police do a great job and it's an incredibly difficult job globally. But the pressure they're under to deliver something to the the victims' families must be tremendous. And they're going to take, you know, the path of least resistance. When a cop makes up his mind, like they say in The Usual Suspects, that's it. You're not going to change the cop's mind. He'll, he'll make the crime fit you. If you're his suspect, mm. that's it. You're done. 
And there's a lot of that in there. And I don't even think it's uh, to the families. I think it's to the press, to the political pressure. I don't think I give a fuck about the families. It's about they need results in this quick. And it's the old guard. And this is 1994. So yeah. there was a lot less scope on what they were doing and how many other stories there will be like this. And trust me, there's not so many captured because, unfortunately, Peter Jackson didn't get involved <laughs> with everyone that has a chorus yeah. confession. You don't have the dude making Lord of the Rings coming to your fucking head. But um, it's, it's just fascinating because... When I saw his name in the credits, I was like, well, that's clearly... That's not Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson, is it? Yeah. Why, why would he be involved in this? And then he pops up and you're like, ah, shit. That's because, Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson. Because oh, okay. they they go through the the child's murder, the kid's murdered, uh, the family's account of that, which is heroin, heroin, sorry, um, and then because you you're told from their perspective, and the, I remember the first time I watched this, I didn't read the blurb, I never do that stuff. I just heard it was a good documentary, yeah, so yeah. I watched it. So I'm like, these guys are fucking evil. And then yes. they start talking about how it's a satanic cult. Uh, cult. And then yeah. little weird things of like, okay, so the police come to me on day one or day two and say, um, this is a satanic cult. Who do you think that could be? And the juvenile corrections officer just points at like two goth kids. That's all they are, just two yeah. goths. Like uh, Damien Eccles, probably the what you'd consider the lead protagonist in this is a, the South Park drawing of the goth that has his hair in his face. That's exactly oh, who he great is. Great spot. Yeah, yeah. You see, and here's the thing, and this is, again, very important if you're ever on trial. Don't make a stupid face to the fucking newspapers, all right? Because he's oh, coming mate. in. Because he's an arrogant little goth kid, all right? He thinks he's anti-establishment. Yeah. He's just like, well, they're going to find out that I didn't chop these kids' dicks off because we have alibis. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So he's sticking his finger and up. He's, he's doing young, the big right? smile. Yeah, he's he's eighteen years old. Baldwin is sixteen years old, and Mess Kelly is seventeen years old. These are these are children themselves. When they start reading out, they describe the assault uh, in the courts, and you're watching this from the footage. It's brutal. Yeah, because you have people jump in and and witnesses that were like, uh, I shared a cell with, I think it was, would have been Jason Baldwin, and he told me how they cut the penis off and then sucked the blood of the penis for yeah. ritual. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you're like, fuck, hell, these kids are like, what how, What drives them to, what's their backstory to put them on on, on this loop? And Yeah, how did that happen? They cut to a, a juror called Sharon French, juror number nine, and she said she didn't want to be in the jury in the beginning but she didn't know how to get out of it. I would say that would be true of everyone for this case because it was, from an America point of view, especially in that area, you couldn't have not heard of it, right? It was so horrific. And then you get picked to be on the jury. I don't want to be on this jury. But you're you're basically, you're coerced, aren't you, to be a juror? It's kind of, well, it's your duty. You've got to do it. Yeah. And someone's got to do it. You've got to be tried by a jury of your peers. So when I when I did jury service, going back two or three years back now, and um, went down, and I got the letter, and I've been unemployed for so goddamn long, I hadn't even been out the house. So I decided that <laughs> yeah, all right, fuck it, I'll do it. So I got the letter. It was the Monday after the Royal Rumble. So if you think I've been unemployed, I then stay up till four in the morning to watch. <laughs> 
the wrestling. Uh, of I've got to be you up. Did, Rick. I've got to be up for aid for the first time in at least a year and a half. At least. Screw you, and, society. You're not yeah. ruining the Royal Rumble. So, dear Your I, Honor, please can you postpone for a day? Love, Rick. Well, I looked on, and I hadn't. I just saw that I had jury service summons go down to this. I didn't realize I had to send the fucking note back. So I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, you got RSVP. Yeah, I didn't. Um, and I'm like, I didn't do it, so I don't have to go. And like, our last uh, shoulders slumped, a little bit of a sigh. I thought, <laughs> all right, I'll go down and see. So I'm thinking, great, I can just get out of this because I didn't send it back. I can go, look, I had this, blah, blah, blah. I get a picture of a fucking, what's he called, the clock of the court just to prove to our last that I was there. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Selfie, everyone smile. Is that, I just honor. went and sat and cost a coffee for an appropriate amount of time to pass and came back and go, yeah, he was not guilty. And uh, they went, oh, that's all right, we'll just put you down here and just wrote me in and I was stuck in there in my slack pants for the next two weeks. That was awful. I didn't mind jury duty. I quite enjoyed it. The people on jury service terrified me. Yes, me too. Yeah, yeah. They, they, you got to remember, when it's a jury of your peers, they don't take in education on a fucking... Course or, or IQ or anything, because some of the dumbest people I've ever met were on jury service. Oh, some of the scariest people were on my jury. Guess who got made out of the 12, 12 good people? Guess who got made the four person? I bet you're foreman. Yeah, and because I stood up to the... So within the 12 of us, there was a bully. And he went, right, and he spouted his nonsense. And then he went, right, I'm going to sneak into the bog and I'm going to have a fag out the window. Everyone cover for me. When I come back, I'll be foreman. We'll get this geezer sent down. That's it. We hadn't even heard any evidence yet, right? We had literally just been selected for the case. So he walked into the toilet and I went, we're not going to make him foreman, are we? And this woman went, I think you should be foreman. And about seven other people went, yep, all those in favour say aye. He comes out the toilet. He's like, so I'm foreman. And the woman just sort of elbowed me and I went, uh, actually, you're not. I'm the foreman and here's what we're going to do. I gen- I was terrified. I thought he was going to beat the shit out of me. And if I wasn't in court, I think he probably would have. He had delusions of grandeur. He wasn't foreman material. Even I'm not foreman material. That's how bad a jury is. They made me the foreman. Oh. On mine, they they got they they said that there was a possession with intent charge, and they were arguing it was just possession. And with one of the nine listeners we have to this as a lawyer, don't kick off if I'm not saying anything. I should be just 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 get in touch with Johnny Depp. All right, just <laughs> listen. We've got, take, we've got take bigger, a number. Get in line. We'll get to you when we get we've to got you. Bigger fucking problems than me perjuring myself right now, but so on mine. It was possession with intent. There was a slight, you know, he had 30 individual wraps of heroin, but maybe he was an organized heroin user. I don't know. But they de- maybe they decided. What, one one for each day of the month. It kind of was agreed it was just possession. But the minute they decided it was possession, we had one lady asking to be the foreman because she wants to be the one to let him know that he's not going to jail for intent. Oh, bless <laughs> Like she, she wanted that. No, that's terrible fucking personality trait. <laughs> Yeah, no, she wants to be a hero. She wants to be nice to someone. Yeah, yeah. She might be horrible in her normal life. She Oh, she was a nightmare. She was a nightmare. She's the one sitting there going, well, I could have deferred it a year, but I thought, what if I'm needed there? What if I'm needed there? One of those people that's all, 
I, I wish she was on my jury. I, I was there with a load of people from the East End. It was it was proper scary. There was a there was a Geordie Falk singer on my second one. I was well chuffed with that. I really like that guy. <laughs> the best thing for me about jury service was the fact it was a 12 and a half minute walk from my house. <laughs> Happy days, man. I was in my home every day by 10 past four. I was over the moon. I went to McDonald's during the, when the court was in recess and it took too long to get the new burger. So I had to sprint back eating a McChicken sandwich <laughs> literally for the time of it. But there was stuff about... Sorry, Your Honour. No, no, no. But there was stuff about it that I, I, I would like to know if is the wigs they wear what we publicly fund. I would like to know that. Oh, I think they have to buy that themselves. I fucking hope so. <laughs> yeah, they're really expensive. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. really, really, yeah, really. Expensive. And uh, British lawyers way more polite than American. American is a dogfight and his personality and his caricatures. It, it, it's all personality in America, right? Because when that guy was delivering the evidence to put these three kids away for the murder of the three kids, it was almost—it's like every court drama you've seen that's set in the states. Have you seen a Time to Kill, Matthew McConaughey? No. That's a really good one. Right. But it's, okay. it's, it's, it's that southern drawl of McConaughey going, now now you imagine that, that little right. girl comes home <laughs> and it just draws you down the story. And then he's got, a re- I won't even say it because it's tantamount to racist nowadays, but but the ending of his closing speech is something that maybe makes just I think a fucking preposterous. You need to check it out. Okay, I'll, gi- I'll give that a go. Listen, I know I knocked it in the beginning. Um, I could not turn this documentary off. I watched it pretty much in, I think, two hits. And I rarely press pause to make notes. I was making notes, but it was while I was watching. It was fascinating. One of the things that I truly loved about it was because it's set in Arkansas, they've all got that. It's not as drooly as that Matthew McConaughey thing you just did, but it's Basically, it's where Bill Clinton's from, the ex-president of the United States. And they've all got that drool about them when they talk. And it's just so relaxing. It's disarming. Yeah, it's very disarming. And to the English ear, you're like, oh, he sounds so lovely. They must be guilty. Mm. Listen to the way he's putting it. And he's waving the knife about in court. And And they're cutting it into a pair as they're talking about stuff, which is like the visual of it, which is just... Not a pear. We'll be like a grapefruit. He's getting it. It was a grapefruit. Yeah, it's like they've done a Shakespeare acting class, isn't it? They're all they're all there aiming for the BAFTA. They've done their training. They're going to tread the boards in court. And there's a whole thing that Miss Kelly got tried separately to the other two because of that confession, and they couldn't have Miss Kelly. Yeah, because he'd be he'd be giving evidence against himself in theory. Yeah, but it also the if they, the, the, the the thing is if they put him on the stand. He can't corroborate his own story because yes. during the during the coerced confession, David Miss Kelly, who who is of like below average intelligence on on the special needs spectrum, they interrogated him from morning until evening, and then they yeah. fed him information until he'd said the right combination of words, and they got yeah. what they wanted out of him. So I wouldn't say that was a coerced uh, confession. I would say basically they just fed him stuff until, like you said, he he spoke what they needed to speak. They got the Audacity sound editor. They put some clips together. <laughs> Bosh. They got themselves a confession. Yeah. I did I did see after the credits, it did tell you that the problem really was with the confession is that how the P's sounded. It took <laughs> the ages. 
ages to cut that out. You... A lot of conversations <laughs> about the peas. Not with his Arkansas drawl, I'm telling you. That wasn't true. Uh, go fuck yourself, Rick. <laughs> there was, <laughs> uh, during the during the documentary, what I liked about this documentary, again, lots of things I liked. You were introduced to another documentary called Paradise Lost, which was the original HBO documentary made about the original trial. And the note I made here is, please don't make me watch that one, Rick. No, this is the big one of the oversight of all of it. Right. Okay, good. Thank you. So that one got like awareness out about these three that are in jail, but because you don't even find out till later, they had forty-five alibis. They went forty miles yeah. away to watch wrestling, where they all signed yeah. a register book. Yeah. Um. So like, and they had them all in court, and they were just called co-conspirators, liars. They were fabricating an alibi for the these lads. So they had the alibis. They thought they were going to be all right. Yeah. Well, the, one of the. Uh, eyewitnesses says we weren't even asked to give evidence and we yeah. gave evidence but it was barely touched upon to the jury and even the prosecutor when he said look looking back in hindsight i didn't do the best job i could have done because nothing replaces experience and you could see he's heartbroken the the guy who's trying to defend the three boys he's heartbroken he's like because if i did it now I've, i'm such a better lawyer now you know he probably would have he would have got a better result for them. Here's what's better. DNA evidence. 1994, there is a parallel to this to making a murderer. And 1994 right. is, um, yeah, they were they would just basically say, look at these pictures, don't those too much, that's scientific proof. Yeah. Now, the over the years, the improvement in DNA evidence and how many exonerated cases they are. And we meet two guys, when they're talking about Paradise Lost, we then very quickly meet people from the Innocence Project. Those are yeah. very big in documentaries. Those guys are doing a lot of good. And they're yes. kind of pro bono work to um, get exonerees off with um, historic DNA evidence, I think it's called. So yeah. you meet those guys. And and the guy they get the confession from Jesse, so he's borderline retarded, is how they they call him, and they they play <laughs> his confession. That, I don't think that's okay to say these days, man. <laughs> so no, I don't want, think it is. But that's what the, that's what up. the that's what he's referred to as. Um, and there's a great quote in it about Jesse, the one who got the confession. It's not difficult to get a confession from someone who is mentally retarded, because they're just feeding him, right? Mm. That's all they are. They're, they're feeding him what to say. And he had an alibi. The kid had an alibi. Yeah, he was at the wrestling. It came out in court and the jury ignored it. How how the fuck did that happen? Uh, do you know what? I would love to see the full, because they've got, again, things I like about these documentaries. They have the footage. They have these people on the stands in court as if it's TV. Yeah. And you see them and they're going, and I'm not saying that they didn't use the blood to transport through time. <laughs> But we all know in the good state of Arkansas that the devil knows his powers. Do you know what I mean? So like, so you don't know what it. kind of shit yeah. they were doing. Like, yeah, because even the person, like, they see like they, the police have a self help video about satanic cults, and it's just yeah. one guy. It's a woman in a bikini, and he's drawing a pentagram on her stomach. Well, it's it's basically they they bring in a guy called Jesse Driver, and he tells us that he was seen as the guru on cults and be, and he was brought in because the mur the murders seemed culty yeah 
Well, that sounds like Damien Eccles. Look at yeah, him. Yeah, who, who's guilty? Oh, these three. They seem dodgy. Um, then we meet Laurie. Now, Laurie is a young lady, and she saw the HBO documentary Paradise Lost, and she starts writing to Damien. And then they, they strike up a relationship just through the power of writing to one another. But you're sitting there, and at this point, you're saying to yourself, I'm, I'm sorry, young lady, you're writing to a person who's just been, conv- sorry, and they get convicted. You're writing to a person who's been convicted or accused of. No, that, he would have been convicted she, by the time oh, that documentary right, came okay. out. So, okay, yeah, you're so sorry. Convicted, yeah. So convicted, he's con- he's on death row, the other two are life without parole. Yeah, and she's writing letters to him. What would make you want to write to someone who's just been convicted of killing children? Tell you what, never underestimate the power of having great curtains in your hair. (laughs) (laughs) Good looking people, again, they can get away with anything. Floppy hair, just underneath a waterfall, Damien Eccles doing his blood sacrifices to keep him looking young. Well, and at this point, you genuinely believe, right? Oh, okay. Well, these three kids are Satanists and they've killed these other three kids. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they did what they did. And Laurie then turns up and you're like, well, she can't be the full ticket, this girl. She's right into a child killer. And then out of the blue, Henry Rollins appears, like Mr. Ben's shopkeeper, right? Now, if you don't know who Henry Rollins is, he's a musician and an actor. He was He played the right-wing Nazi guy in Sons of Anarchy. All right, right. Yeah, so he's that guy. Now, I genuinely thought Henry Rollins, when I heard about him a few years ago, I thought he was a stand-up comic. So I went to see his show in Edinburgh. <laughs> he spoke He spoke for two hours. There wasn't one joke in there. Do you know why, Rick? He's not a stand-up comic. To be fair, that's... That... He's, a, he's a musician and an actor. I've seen plenty of Edinburgh shows. I can say the same about it, to be fair. <laughs> and, but there, was a, there must have been... 500 to 700 of us in this room watching this. He's one of the most fascinating men I've ever heard speak. Is he a bit ADHD? He looked a bit jittery in the documentary. Um, He's incredibly serious and he, he sings about death and yeah, he's a loner. He calls himself a lone wolf. What's his band? Has he got a band? The Rollin, yeah, the Rollins band. I, the I Rollins bought a couple band. of his album. Yeah, he's a, he's a great musician. Because they get Absolutely. public public enemy, the um, yeah. Lemmy from Motorhead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Henry Rollins is incredibly well respected in those music circles. Incredibly well respected. And his fan base at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, it was huge. Oh, I bet they were mad for it. They were proper mad for it. And some guy was talking to me afterwards. Like He basically follows Henry Rollins around the planet listening to him speak. <laughs> so he has a... He has an incredible fan base. He's inc- so eloquent. He's a lovely man. And that's when I thought, well, hang on, if the Rollins is involved, something's not right here. If he's saying these kids are innocent, because I haven't seen Paradise Lost, right? So, I don't know anything. So one of the things I would say, again, as a documentary, as a as a piece that you're watching for like either entertainment, factual, whatever, the way they do this is the way they should have done things like imposter. Do it all yeah, one way yeah, and yeah. then prove it right the other. 
Like, because you yes. go down that list and it makes you, because it also puts you in the mind of the jury who convicted him. So you're not really angry at the jury a whole heap. No. Because of all of the news outlets and the stuff and the satanic stuff being thrown in. And, and they even say later on, it warps your judgment because you're so angry at the at the things you're hearing and having to see. The pictures, the crime scene pictures are so fucking horrific. Like, I Even imagine- watching it, I was like, mm. oh man, they didn't need to show that, but they did. But you're like, oh, this is putting me off me rice crispies. And uh, there was a thing when they were talking about uh, Damien's lawyers and they were saying um, they they need the resources to get the lawyers down in Arkansas doing groundwork. And it's just like, God, they make so much fucking money, don't they? Every side of the game, lawyers just make so oh, yeah. much goddamn money. It's like, it's really sad, but if someone's not willing to pay me 40K a year, I'm not going to go knock on doors. Yeah. And then Laurie, well, and, and that's how Henry Rollins got involved, right? Because mm-hmm. Laurie sets up a Kickstarter-type campaign. She starts campaigning for money and funds. She quits her job. She, so she's falling in love with Damien this, by this stage. It's like she's on the open mic comedy circuit. She's working for free, and she's she's just trying to get a hit and get recognized, and she's constantly learning. That's a t- that's a, that's a, that's as light as I can get. That's Rick. a tough analogy right there. That's a tough analogy. I'll tell you what, da- Damien Eccles and Jason Baldwin have no idea how fucking tough it is how to make it in London on the open mic circuit. All right, they can get fucked. They think they've been in the room with no people laughing at them. Fuck you, Damien. <laughs> And then Peter Jackson turns up. Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson. And again, I love an accent, right? I love the way... The Kiwi accent's brilliant, isn't it? So relaxed. And you believe him. Because he's... It's just... Again, it's a lovely drawl. And you're like, well, he's from New Zealand, one of the best countries on the planet, for fairness for a start. And you're like, well, if Peter Jackson's involved, something's not right. Hmm. Because he could go off and make another multi-Oscar winning film. But no, he's he's back in this campaign to try and yeah. save these children. Yeah, they were on it full, full stop. They offered financial support and like, wow, what a... Uh, do you know what? Her, uh, Laurie's email back to Peter Jackson just made it was heartwarming Southern America for me. I don't even know if yeah. America is, is Arkansas the South. Pretty much, yeah. It's, it's but sort of, below the it, Bible It's kissing belt, the but, South. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's like... Mr. Jackson, your email came to me on a very hot day. <laughs> I just thought that was, you know, the pies As the were perspiration cool. ran down my brow. Pies are cooling on the windowsills. Kids are playing with sticks of hooping them. And I get your email, sir. And I have to say, I was mighty impressed with your generosity. Thank you very much. I just, I just love that style of American. I do. It is, it's beautiful to listen to them speak. And if it wasn't such a miserable subject, you'd be like, oh, okay. And Peter Jackson says he hates bullies. Well, everyone hates bullies, Peter. <laughs> Stop bullying uh, Peter Jackson. I right? just got to suggest your opinion. <laughs> listen, I'll, I'll give you a positive bullying story, right? So the, the place where I had my hips replaced had the highest case of bullying in the UK in a hospital. All right. But the quality of care that I received in that hospital for the three days I was there was par excellence. So you've got to balance that out, Rick, right? <laughs> <laughs> Another one of Matt Will's classic links that asks way more questions than it gives answers to. <laughs> it's right. Let's get back to the thing. So then we go back to the trial. 
So it starts showing you little nuggets of things from the trial where yeah. n- not everything added up. For instance, the guy, the long-haired kid who comes out and said he shared a cell with him. He was a drug addict. And said that, yeah, he, they actually have him in the documentary later talking about it. He says yeah. he was offered a deal. He was on drugs. He was on LSD. And they just told him what to say. He went and said it. And, and then he didn't have to go to adult jail when his time was served in juvie. That's how they got to him. They went, look, if you testify that Jason Baldwin said this, he told you this, didn't he? He told you this. Tell me he told you this. And then you go and do that. You go and testify. We will then take you off the books to be going to adult jail once this runs out. Because that's a different level of story. We're scared the shit out of him with that. But when he first comes out and it shows you the full clip of his testimony, the lawyer says, were you offered any deals to testify? And he says... No, sir. And if I was, I would deny it. <laughs> <laughs> he did say that. Yeah, that was. You're like, hang on. Well, therefore, you were because you're now denying it. And then you have him as Nadal apologising. You have him apologising. He yeah. says he's sorry. He's like, look, I, I understand they don't ever want to talk to me. Uh, I, I get that, but yeah, uh, I, I apologise. I don't know why. Well, he I said, did. look, I was a drug addict. I, I'm really sorry, but I was a drug addict. Um, Peter Jackson gets the head of the behavioural FBI. This is the guy who set up the behavioural FBI unit, right? His name is John Douglas. Effectively, he set up Criminal Minds. He's yeah, that guy. Yeah. The uh, behavioural analysis unit. It's not Hotch. Who was the first guy who liked the birds? Yeah. Uh, Lucian? Not Lucian. No. David... Because then they replaced him, didn't they? They brought in someone else. They replaced yeah. the first guy. The first guy that they picked, as in the actor, I watched a thing the other day. The reason he left Criminal Minds, he said it was just too depressing. The stuff we had to deal with, he goes, and this most of that was based on truth. And as an actor, I imagine it was about the amount of fruit in his trailer, not well, the content <laughs> of... Uh... No, he said it was the content. He goes, I can't work with that. He goes, it was just too upsetting. So then they bring David, whatever his name is, to be the, the sort of head lead guy. Yeah, I love Hodge. We're, we're going to need to get better on names. <laughs> so, uh, you, you then start to hear a little bit about Damien. He, um, I've got a funny thing about this to come back to at the end, but he wanted to be famous for magic. And... Yeah. He used to walk around with a cape and a staff. Yeah. Now, I don't know. There's a brutal murder, and there's a juvie guy, a social worker, who's like, who's that lad with the top hat and the pack of cards? <laughs> I think <laughs> probably yeah. those weird-looking kids down Second Avenue. Go and have a look at them. He's wearing a cape for fuck's sake. Well, the FBI guy they get in, the head of the behavioral analysis, he says, look, this isn't a satanic killing. It's just a murder by someone who is probably crazy. And this is where, um, and this is another great thing to point out, because this is a documentary trope. They show you that the first documentary, they accused uh, Byers' dad. So one of the kids that died, Stephen Byers, who I think will be Stephen Byers' stepfather or father. It was his stepdad, Mark Byers. Yeah. Mark Byers was then lit up for all public as, look at this weird guy who's boss-eyed yeah. and bald. He did it. Yeah. And I think this guy is a fucking class act throughout the show. I honestly yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely. Like, because he was effectively, they went, well, if it wasn't these three kids, if it wasn't these three kids who killed those three kids, then it has got to be. And they, they found the weirdest looking fella and they pointed at him. 
three stepdads. One was out of town. The other one was um, Stephen Terry Branches, Hobbs. Terry Hobbs, and uh, then yeah. there was Byers. And Byers was like, it's him, it's him, it's him. Yeah. Um, there was another testimony from a Vicky Hutchinson who looked like, you ever seen Breaking yeah. Bad? Yes. Do you know the meth addict who... Pushes the safe, who's, who gets, who yeah. pushes the safe on her boyfriend, yeah. Yeah, it looks exactly Great spot. like... Uh, well done. Yeah, yeah. And, um, Quite a few people looked that way. And the police... Documentary. Yeah, yeah. Particularly when Miss Kelly gets let out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> I think he got done for possession 10 minutes later, but... <laughs> Like, so you have this lady and, like, there's some weird thing where the police got her to go and try and, like, coerce yeah. uh, Eccles into saying he did that and they're setting her house up like it's some kind of satanic yeah. house and putting skulls about the place. And she was having a date with an 18-year-old. That was all weird. Yeah. And how she said that he'd lied, she lied on the stand. As they said, if the police think you're guilty, they'll make it, they'll make it look like you're guilty, right? And then I think the lead... Prosecutor at the time was a guy called Fogelman. Yeah. This is going to be another bingo. John Fogelman, yeah. Former deputy uh, prosecutor. Yeah, another bingo call for true crime. Is the prosecutor running for running for political office? Because if he is, trust me, they will ignore every bit of evidence to get the person they've said has already done it for Absolutely. the quick convention. And it always happens. You see, like, the signs of Fogelman running for, like, county, mayor, yeah. or all that kind of stuff. It's shocking, right? It's absolutely shocking. So justice goes out the window because one guy wants to advance his political career. But by the very laws, you shouldn't be... <laughs> That shouldn't be allowed, should it? Well, well, this is another great thing. I think this is something that the documentaries highlight really well of how the legal system is structured. Because people aren't aware. Don't, people don't really know until they get into it. They don't realize, like, you know, your you rights and then your appeals process and how difficult it's all stacked against you, even if you have the evidence for another trial. Um, one of the interesting things where they're like, well, they found the knife. And then they kept on cutting things and saying, look, these cuts look exactly what happened to these mutilated children. Yeah. And uh, they found the knife in a lake outside the back. Yeah, it was in a creek. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Outside the back of Jason Baldwin's house. In the oh, lake. there. Sorry, that was a lake. I beg your pardon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so they went into this lake. They spent 30 minutes. They knew exactly where it was. And they called the press in, be here because we're about to make a discovery. And the lawyers are like, wait a minute. So why... Whoever gave them the information of the knives in the lake, they must be linked and know who did the crime. Yeah. The reason why they couldn't is because Jason Baldwin's mum said he found the knife a year ago and she threw it in the lake so he couldn't have yeah. it. So a year before the crime, the knife was disposed of. So that evidence that they're now using, this is the murder weapon, they got it because the mother was saying he hasn't got any yeah. knives. I chucked it away a year ago, right there. And then they went and got it and said that was the murder weapon. And the lawyer's going, look, because if you put the knife against this wound on the victim's body, that's exactly what it looks like. But then you cut to they were found in a creek with lots of turtles. And then I don't know who the dude was, but basically there is a badass mean turtle in a bucket and the geezer puts his arm there and he goes, OK, let the turtle go. So the guy who's holding the turtle lets the turtle go. It jumps up. Oh. jumps right this is a it's a giant tortoise it's probably three quarters of the size of me yeah this thing jumps up clamps its teeth onto the guy's arm that is and the other bloke's like i'm gonna pull that off you and he's like 
give it a minute, give it a minute. And eventually they pull the turtle off. It's proper bit the fella. And then they show that bite mark against the bite marks on the victim's bodies. And basically the victims were bitten by turtles after their bodies were dumped in the creek. Turtles are up there with my favourite animals. I've not been around a whole heap, but I, I, I really like they're just a calm, cool animal. We, when we went to Mexico, our last wanted to uh, go and see the turtles in the zoo thing we went to. And there was a whole thing where you could swim with the turtles. But then when you saw what right. the swimming with the turtles was, decided against it pretty quickly because you had like these like 11-year-old scouse lads fucking smashing a turtle in the head of a GoPro trying to get the right shot. And it was just <laughs> absolute carnage. It was one of the most horrific things you've ever seen. I can't do it. I don't want to do this. <laughs> but do, um, do, you like, do you like turtles because you both love pizza? Is that, is that why? Because of pizza. It's a teenage oh, shit, shit. ninja oh, turtles oh, thing. Don't yeah. get at me for not getting that reference. Give me a second. I didn't think you had seen the teenage mutant ninja turtles, but I'm trying to work out whether you think the shell's like a bread crust or something. <laughs> with your fucking links. I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess that is more my generation than your generation. I know I'm a fan of the turtles. I like the turtles. Um so yeah, you see how and these t- turtles are evil, right? And there's that like, guy who old, gets uh, it bitten though, his response again, it's like you don't see that in the movies. That is a genuine he goes, fuck yeah. <laughs> you, see, you see him just go ah! <laughs> and he's just quiet and holding it in the pin. And then they, they put basically they put a GoPro, don't they, in uh, a tub of water, they put in a dead pig. And then these turtles go to work on the pig and yeah. they go, that is how the victims lost their genitalia. So that, that's the, exactly what the turtles would eat. And the noses and the ears, they go for the yeah. soft tissue, basically. So that whole, so from that point, the whole, because like those marks match up perfectly to what yes. they are claimed to be doing. The place where they're found, the month that happens, the turtles are in a frenzy. Which yeah, is, yeah. like, those turtles look like alligators. They even have one called the alligator turtle. I wouldn't I be too comfortable. It was a, yeah, it was a scary a snapping turtle, thing. alligator turtle. I swear to God, I wouldn't be too comfortable with one of them walking towards us, like a little n- tank yeah. nibbling on you. But, um, so that just blows that whole theory out of the water. Then they say none of the DNA matches the free people in prison. Yep. Well, so how did they get convicted then? So here's one of the reasons. Arkansas at the time was one of the only um, crime labs, which is what's called a prosecutor-controlled crime lab. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have Frank Peretti, who is the head of that crime lab. He, fi- he, he It's a bit like, you know, casino. You don't have to have your gambling license to work in the casino. You just have to apply for one. Yeah. And so Frank Peretti failed the exam twice to be able to have the job that he has and then decided not to take it again for personal reasons. <laughs> Swear to God, the yeah, 90s, you could get away with so much shit. Before the internet yeah. was really big. like It was massive, wasn't it? Before the internet, you, yeah, you're right. You can get away with quite literally with, murder. With a decent it... tash and a firm handshake, you could be fucking mayor. I swear to God, at the yeah. 90s, <laughs> it doesn't matter what you've done. Then the documentary starts focusing itself on terry hobbs now terry hobbs is one of the stepdad of one of the victims then has the documentary pointing everything to him and then we get 20 minutes a character assassination of terry hobbs and it's brutal oh fucking hell is it like terry hobbs is the face of evil in my opinion yeah like- but only because of Listen, I'm not defending the face of evil guy here, 
But again, you could video this doc, this podcast being recorded now, Rick, and you could take certain snippets of it and you could show me and you laughing at people dying, which we haven't done yet. I have reoccurring they, dreams of that happening in the near right. future. Yeah. Yeah, because like it depends how you want to shoot it and cut it. That's it, all it is. It does, but it's difficult because okay, let's just let's just get into Terry Hobbs as a whole. Because I, do you know what I, I was thought I bet Matt's weird about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, Terry Hobbs is a he. He looks like a piece of shit, but because the documentary filmmakers want you to think he's a piece of shit. Hey, the same thing happened to Mark Byers in the first Paradise Lost. That isn't lost on me, but. Right. The amount of mounting evidence of uh, so Terry Hobbs, um, you don't you, you hear drips and drabs, and again the the order in which the documentary shows you is very well put together. The chronological yeah. of this documentary, I think, just bumps it up above, above most other crime docs. Terry Hobbs, it went into how badly he used to abuse his stepson. Yeah, used to beat the fuck out of him. Used to lock him yeah. in a cupboard. All the family members are saying they were scared of him and stuff like yeah. that. Then you have his daughter, who's now 21, drug addict, going to yeah. therapy uh, about being sexually abused by... Or possibly um, sexually abused. Because she said, I don't I don't remember being sexually abused, but is that why I'm doing drugs? Because I'm trying to suppress memories. And then there's an auntie who discloses that they were fiddling. Uh, with it, and then as it goes on, there's more and more with Terry. But Terry just looks fucking. He it. It does look like a. He looks like a wrong one because of the shots they're showing you. But Peter Jackson and the gang, they have their own private investigator, Rachel Geezer, great surname Rachel, and she effectively tries to get. Well, she she goes and talks to Terry Hobbs, and he goes off for a wee, and she steals the contents of his ashtray to get his DNA. Oh. As Matt's Which, fully aware, I am currently on day one of quitting smoking today. And <laughs> I was just more jealous of Terry Hobbs having fags. <laughs> um, um, and yeah, then they focus everything on Terry Hobbs. In the now, DNA Hobbs, links, there's a DNA in the yeah. laces that they're buying with. And there is a hair that is Terry Hobbs's hair. There is also a hair but of could, Terry Ah, wait a second, Matt. But hang there on, is he's also, the stepfather of one of the victims. There of is course also, his hair might have been involved. They all lived in the same house. Yeah, not within the layers that they tied the kids up with. Well, of course, if, you, if you're living in a house, you chuck your shoe on the floor. You know, the hair gets caught up in. It's easily done. I pulled a hair out of my mouth the other day that belongs to my missus. It was so Jesus, long. Matt. Ugh, ugh. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I hope that didn't ruin the mood. <laughs> <laughs> get cat hair is everywhere. I, th- I just think if a documentary wants to make someone look bad, it's very easy to do. And in this one, they decided that Terry Hobbs. But and you know what? Terry Hobbs probably is guilty. You kind of get the feeling that he's guilty because of the way they make him look in the documentary. Or when he's deposed, because, I mean, I think I want to go this in a bit more chronological order. So you start to be introduced to Terry Hobbs. Um, They didn't interview him at the time. They never questioned him. Uh, he had an alibi of a dude called uh, Jacoby, whose DNA was also found at the site. And then they go, and I think it's one of the most powerful things of the documentary. They go and talk to his alibi, yeah, who breaks down in tears and is like, "Oh no, yeah. that's not what happened." So the kids go yeah. missing around five ish. They're not seen again. They're discovered the next day in the ditch. Yeah, 
Terry Hobbs's alibi is I was with Jacoby. I looked for the kids. We went all night until the early hours of the morning looking for them. We didn't find them. We went home. Jacoby goes, no, he came around my house for an hour and played guitar yeah, and then went off for two hours alone and then came back. Yeah. I didn't go out looking. And this guy is literally like broke down in tears because he's figuring out what the fuck's happened because he's even saying he himself has witnessed the abuse that, ter- that Terry bestowed upon Stevie Branch. Yeah. So, again, that is just powerful footage of it. It's not scripted. People aren't kind of looking back to other movies. How mm. did Ho- how did Hoffman com- convey this level of emotion? This is someone genuinely figuring out that someone's a lifelong friend of theirs is using them as an alibi. And then also he starts ringing Terry and the way Terry's talking to them about the investigations and how he's trying to fucking almost yeah. gaslight them into, we went looking for kids, we didn't find nothing. The three boys yeah. are sat in jail, and they want us two motherfuckers to be there instead. That's it. And, like, he's freaking out. It's brilliant. Yeah, just yeah. compelling footage. The group who are trying to get the the free people released from prison are referred to as the WM Free, right? It's the West Memphis Free. So that's who Henry Rollins did the concert it for. took me so long to work out that's what it meant. I thought that was uh, his yeah. band. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> it took me a while to work that out as well. Um, so it was like the A1 for Arkansas. And basically, they want to get a retrial, right? So they've got all this new evidence, thanks to uh, Rachel Geezer and the Peter Jackson and the WM3. And the Innocence Project. Yeah, the Innocence Project. There's so many people involved in this, trying to get these kids out. Do you know who else pops up in the WM3? Someone we'll be seeing across in a deposition someday. Yeah, it was friend of the show, Johnny Depp. And he pops up and he gives a he gives a great little speech. Patty Smith, she pops up, right? Johnny Depp, you better call him Johnny Depose if he wants to come after our <laughs> coffee bean money, I'll tell you that. We ain't giving up that £1.60 about a fight, Johnny. And because everyone is getting involved in this, right? So it's like a snowball. It's it's rolling down a hill, it's picking up more snow, it's really gathering speed. The Dixie chicks get involved. Basically, if all this new evidence and looking back at the alibis they initially had, they want to get the retrial. Now, one of the things in America, what they usually do is they give you the original court judge because they say yes. he's in the best position. Yeah, or her. Or her is in the best position. And this time, he. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for your fucking wokeness corrects me. I was yeah. just being factual. It could have been a hurt. No, he was called Ben. All right. Yeah. He had a beard. Ginger bald guy with a beard. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it was him. And um, so the judge... Um, he basically guess what running for political office he wants to he wants to be a, like yeah. elected official he said no to the trial he said all the evidence was already there there's no yep. no new evidence blah 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 ignored everything no trial so luckily he gets elected but, but hang on he's the word of God and if he says there's no trial it doesn't matter what the hell you do he has final say on that at that level, it goes uh, like civil court, supreme court. Yeah, yeah, they have to go through the different levels. But at his level, he's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. I don't want to. I've heard the evidence. Those three are guilty. We're not speaking about this again. They're like, well, some new evidence has come to light. I don't care about the new evidence. They guilty. They in prison. That's the way it is. Move on with your lives. Now, hang on a second, Harry. Who is going to vote in this guy to be a senator if that's how he's operating? You don't hear about it. You, you never do because you think that these guys have enough money from the likes of Peter Jackson, from the whole movement of it, to stay in this game. 
They don't have like the, there will be hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of people in the same situation that unfortunately yeah. don't have a catchy name. It wasn't a gruesome murder involved the devil, so people paid slightly more attention yeah. to it. And they're just they they're fucked. Do you know what I mean? They don't have that like resource. It's it's a rich man's fucking game to get out of jail. Yeah. To go through all these courts, all these lawyer fees, all this like the guy from fucking Cape Fear, you gotta learn it yourself. Not a great yeah, yeah. example. But <laughs> and, it, and sorry to bring this up, right? So those those kids are in prison, they they're getting old now, right? They they've been yeah. in there at this stage, what? They were about year fourteen they've been in inside. And it the mechanism to get them out, that's a bums on seats business. They need as many people as possible shouting about you know, their innocence. And Damien's missus, because they get married, don't they? He's a, they have a mm. Buddhist ceremony in prison. She is driving this whole thing to try and get her husband out because she believes he's innocent. And it would, at this stage, you're believing he's innocent. Yeah. And the judge who's saying... Are you still not convinced? Would you be on that jury going, I don't know? Um, He's got a pentagram skull I on his arm. I, I, I think what puts me off is... The game's rigged and everybody's lying. Yeah. So where where are you going to choose to put your? Because you don't you don't hear from any of the suspects. So those three suspects are not really spoken to. Um, no, I'm not saying they're guilty. I I don't. I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I was so angry watching this, and it's it's because it's it's just all of it is unjust. Yeah. From the killing of the kids to the putting in prison. Of three other kids, it, yep. the whole the whole game's rigged. And if you're from a poor family, as you, these what you're, all of the documentaries you pick around this sort of subject all point to the same thing. If you're poor, you're screwed, mm. and they'll chuck the book at you. And that judge, that judge gets elected. Yeah, which means luckily. he's no longer the judge. But they do so, a thing quickly when he first says there's no new trial. They have one of my favorite documentary tropes. When all is lost, they cut to an autumn scene of bird, flocks of birds migrating over <laughs> over rural areas. And I don't know why they do that. It just always sticks with me. Making a murderer, it's in the opening scenes, and every right. single one of them, you go, ar, 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 and just the birds going along. <laughs> uh, when I got a job at the mill center, I had a little walk like that to get into the mill center in the industrial state, and it was always birds, and I just thought I was walking into like my own forced confession story, <laughs> where you know the police officer offered me a Marlboro light if I admitted I fucking killed someone, and I'm like, fine, give us it, give us a lighter. <laughs> Make it two, I'll admit to two murders. Um, Have you got anyone for that 9-11 yet? I need a pack. <laughs> so Damien effectively, now when he was sentenced, he was sentenced to death. So he's sitting on death row. The stress that that's going to cause you. And it's a good job death row isn't efficient, right? Because they oh, would have yeah, killed yeah. a lot of people by mistake. Yeah, yeah, death row is... Is that why they wait so long? Well, just in case, because we could be wrong. We've been wrong in the past. There's all kinds of things. Like, you're only allowed to use certain types of injection, like, and it can't travel across straight lines to get to you. There's a whole red tape of corporate money oh, okay. involved within death row. It's absolute. You're on death row for fucking years. Yes, years. yeah, which is and handy, right? Because it means it, you can it's, get off. It's handy, but I don't think the reason is for appeals. Like, I, I think it's more bureaucratic red tape. Right. As opposed to the more humanist stance of, well... Let them go through their, their appeals. 
So the judge is elected to the Senate. Well, congratulations, sir. And this is a result. So all those people who voted for him, they've then opened the door, got a new judge. So they've opened the door exactly for a potential retrial. Mm -hmm. And I think that one even. And that's all it is. It's a potential, right? And then, because there's so many celebs at a certain level getting involved, the Dixie Chicks then get involved. I love involved. it. This is my favorite bit. This is honestly my favorite bit. This is kind of where the the documentary almost, it just takes the weirdest turn because Chief Suspect is now Terry Hobbs from the documentary point of view. And he feels he's been... Um, He's been wrongly accused of killing these kids, so he decides to sue the Dixie Chicks, which means they get to legitimately interview him, and then you see him being interviewed. It's amazing. All manner of questions, because none of it to do with the Dixie Chicks. There was there was a time, and I think it still exists, but I think we're more aware of the cost involved, where you thought that if someone sort of did something, you could sue them if they were famous, and you'd get millions. And they, Terry's even quoted to saying that to the ex-wife, Pam Hobbs, yeah. mother of Stevie, they got, like, when she's just like, he thought he was going to get millions of dollars, you know, just because they said this to him. So he said he'll go through it, fuck it. You get millions. Yeah. So then they, so the Dixie Chicks are like, we didn't even mention his name. We were just petitioning for the three to get out and to look into things. So they then get deposed. And when they get deposed, Matt, you had to see the stuff that this isn't a documentary filing it together. It's not like, oh, the documentary picked out the one time he broke into the neighbor's house and started grabbing her tits and forced her around the place. Or the time that he shot his brother-in-law. Or the time that he did this. Or the time that yeah. he did that. It is like, and he is just stonewalling them. He hasn't got an answer for any of it. And he's just, you know, and it, that's the thing. Arrogant people, the minute they get into pause, that's when the TV gets good. Because arrogant yeah. people go, I'll say, fuck it, what are you going to do? And then, then, then they've got three questions that trap you, and you got to give an answer one way or the other. And one way is yeah. perjury, the other way is the truth. The truth is you're a fucking murderer. And that is fascinating to watch yeah. real time like i don't like yeah, it on yeah. tv because it's all scripted with the ending in sight but the idea of pinning someone different ways being deposed yeah. would be horrific like the, the deposition all for the dixie chicks was just hilarious for me like the, it was almost like they baited him and he took the bait right and they got the the um woman that he sexually assaulted in yeah. the trailer that he broke into yeah it, it almost seemed to me like terry hobbs uh, was a schizophrenic because at some point he didn't believe that he could do that. And in other points, it was like the other Terry Hobbs came into his head and he was like, shit, yeah, I'm guilty. Play it cool, Rodney. And he didn't play it cool at all because they just, he was answering questions and you're like, fucking hell, mate, you look guilty to me. And you yeah. shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but he looked guilty. Did your missus watch this with you? No, I offered it. I don't know if she watched it last night because I had to go out and work last night. So um, I, I said it was available and I said, I think you're going to like it. And she, and she said, what's it about? And I went, Rick picked it. And she went, oh, I might give that a watch. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even tell her anything about the documentary. Uh, what I just mentioned your name and she went, well, he loves a good miserable hour or so. And at the point, right, when, they, when they're doing the Dixie Chicks bit, I pressed pause because I was like, how long have I been sitting here? I was at the hour and a half stage <laughs> of the documentary. There was another hour of this to go. 
come on, Rick. Come on. It was just, and it was full on because you're getting so angry watching this. And your anger is changing between depending on what point in the directory you're in. I'm going to, I'm going to have to give you you're a, in. a comedy analogy of what awaits you in the future, Matt, okay? Right. You've just done a 30-minute Edinburgh preview at the Hastings Fringe with all your mates, and it was nice. <laughs> you got to go and do an hour twice a day in fucking Edinburgh in a few months' time. Get used to the idea, because there is way more coming. <laughs> but the thing is, the director, Amy Berg, I just thought, man, did you study under Coppola? How much longer does this go on for? Come on. Right, for a couple cut a few scenes out. Come on. Have you seen how long The Hobbit is or the extended Lord of the Rings? Yeah, that, this has got Peter Jackson written all over it, this documentary. Can you make it three hours? Because that shit gets you an Oscar. So, yeah. So, we're, it's pretty much all looking towards Terry Hobbs. Um, yeah. What about the quote they said about Terry Hobbs? Yeah, we came home and we saw Terry cleaning with bleach, which I'd never seen before. Well, your kid's just gone missing. Surely you should fucking mention that to the police. Yeah, he changed his clothes. He washed everything. He burnt a few things. And when they went through Terry's things, they found that Stevie's knife, the kid who got killed, was in Terry's lockbox. And the mother says that Stevie would have 100% had that with him the day that he was killed. Yeah. So it's little things like when you see them on uh, Geraldo, there's a little footage yeah. of him, but he's in that purple shell suit looking like he's in the business. <laughs> he's got and, that. Um, he's and what got... do we say about people who are wearing track suits like the bottom and the top? They're wrong uns. Again, this, this points to that. Hey, is a wrong I, 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 I don't agree with that implicitly. I think that guy very, if, if there is a, Top as an adult, a fully grown adult with facial hair, wearing a tracksuit bottoms with a matching tracksuit top, they at least know where to get your pills. Well, there is that. That that there is that. No, I don't mean that as a good thing. I see that they're on at least that level of criminal. <laughs> that is <laughs> that's the entry level. Yeah, they're at a weird level. So we then we then kick back to the lawyer who's uh, for WM the West Memphis Free trying to get them out of prison, and he says this that. Arkansas won't give them a chance to prove their innocence or anyone else for that matter because Arkansas don't make mistakes. Arkansas is incapable of a wrong conviction. And they're like, whoa, 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 you can't say that. And Arkansas said, yeah, we can. We are the law. Okay, Arkansas, fuck you. We're going to the Supreme Court. All right. So, yeah, so we had the bleach and we had... And then what we about have an interview Terry's with Terry's um, sister. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Terry's sister just seems like a bitch, <laughs> doesn't she? She's a fucking bitch. <laughs> She's like, ugh, that ex-wife of my brother's was awful. But then, then you start to hear like the stories because the stories are coming on the phone line. That Terry Hobbs, his brother, lives out of town. His brother has kids. They, the kids, got told that Terry yeah, was yeah, the murderer. Yeah. Yeah, it was the Hobbs family secret. The Hobbs family secret. And they were there the day in the pool house when he came clean to his brother and then he came clean to the son. The son's friends rang the helpline. Yeah. And then, again, more, more ads up on, on Terry it's Hobbs. It's all stacking up to Terry Hobbs. Terry Hobbs' sister, Cindy Hobbs, said, he's getting a bad rap. Yeah, that's possibly because he kind of confessed to killing three kids. 
Yeah, there's the three kids, and then there's the stuff that's not memory with the daughter, where it's like hitting with the buckle of the thing and like just beating yeah. the fuck out of them with belts and putting their hands in the air. Jack, Jake could be fucking attest to that. The wife attested, the ex-wife attested yeah. that. Like, um, oh, he's a, he, he is dirt, Terry Hobbs. Absolute, absolute dirt. But Steve Byers is on there, and he he's became he's a bit of a hero of mine. He's like, God. I don't mind that people pointing the finger at me has kept this case alive. All roads lead to Terry fucking Holmes. Yeah. Hey, I can say that. That's my First Amendment right. Yeah. And he's walking past. He's actually pointing. There he is. Why didn't he ask the murderer right there? And like even Pam Hobbs thinks it. You know what I mean? They want the guys. Because yeah. they phoned Pam Hobbs up. And like, what do you think about the idea of a new trial? Goes, yeah, DNA evidence says these guys never laid a finger on my kids. Yeah. So who killed my kid? Mm. That's what she wants to know, right? And that's at this stage, I'm like, oh, good. So we're, we're going to get the killer. Great. Okay. They're going to get Terry Hobbs. This is all going the perfect way. And then, then we cut to the court scene of the Supreme Court. And Arkansas are protecting themselves, aren't they, with the, what I can only assume is the worst lawyer in the world. Oh, when he's like, there, there is no new evidence. Yeah, you can't, you can't bring yeah. in new evidence. That's ridiculous. Yeah. They should be tried exactly on what happened last time. <laughs> and the judges in the Supreme Court ask him a question, and then he says, I, I'm sorry, would you repeat that? This happens about six or seven times. Like, are you hard of hearing, sir? Yeah. Or are you just playing? Is it, you know, when you get heckled in, a, in the audience and you just say, uh, sorry, repeat that again, please. And that just gives you those few seconds thinking time. Mm. That That's what he's doing. He's just dealing with a heckle. <laughs> You're short. <laughs> yeah. The heckle I got last night was bollocks. Bollocks. And I went, I beg your pardon. Bollocks. Okay. Let's, right, let's deal with that then, shall we? Are they out? Um. <laughs> oh, bless you for being nice. I hear bricks like that. So the Supreme Court stuff was just fascinating. The fact that you have to take the state of Arkansas to court to say that new evidence does mean we should possibly have a retrial. And Arkansas, basically, Arkansas have put their fingers in the ears and are going, blah, 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 blah. Don't want to listen to what you got to say. Yep. I got so angry and frustrated. And then they keep on pushing the new trial back. It's another mental tactic they do because they're in control yeah. of the timings. So it gets put back four months, three times. That's an extra year. Yeah. Like a whole calendar year of still being in jail, of still and wondering. And that just weakens you. It does. And listen, and we say being in jail, they're not in jail. They're in a supermax prison. Now, I don't know what a supermax prison is, but it don't sound good. So then August 2011, we meet Scott Ellington. He's a district attorney, I think, or some district prosecutor. Does that make sense? Yeah. And this is where we first learn the phrase, the Alford plea. Which is insane. Did you Google this? Because at this point, you're like... It comes up. In a lot of documentaries. Really? This is the most fucking insane thing I think I've ever heard. Yep. And Scott Ellington basically tells... So, tell us what the Alfred plea is then. The Alfred plea is... So they give them an offer. They say, listen, we don't want to go to trial, but we're not going to let you out as exonerated. You have to admit your guilt, but maintain your innocence, and you can leave that day. <laughs> say you did it, but you didn't do it, and then we'll let you go. Yes. That's ridiculous. 
Yep, and what that exactly is, is for these exact situations, which Scott Elton goes into, is they are on the hook for such a wrongful conviction. Like, that is a huge, huge, huge amount of money that they can be sued for. And they aren't letting you fucking out and suing them for millions. They are not being liable. Yeah. There's a bunch of them, bunch of documentaries, and this is the Al- I've seen a few where the Alfred Pre is used, and it's heart wrenching because you have to admit guilt. And on, on top of that, there's a child murderer still walking around, and they're exactly. not bothered. And then they're not going to go and look for the child murderer because well, they've got three people who said they were guilty. But no, they said they were innocent at the same time. Absolutely, and it's it's just it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And Damien accepted it. Jesse accepted it, but I'm pretty sure Jesse would accept the Twix or guilt. I don't know what Jesse wouldn't have accepted. <laughs> yeah. And, and then Jason says, I would rather stay in jail than admit my guilt. Which is probably I'm innocent. Which is probably the biggest indicator of innocence you can have. Even that Veda said so. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's not a bigger indication of that. Um, and, and then basically they allowed Jason Baldwin time to think about it. Now, at this stage, he's been in prison, Rick, for eight years. 18 years, yeah. 18 years for a crime you didn't commit. Yep. And you're sitting there going, so I can get out. But if I say no, I stay in prison, have to carry on fighting the state of Arkansas and my two friends who have also been in prison for 18 years, who have accepted the deal. Don't get to go. They, they have the deal pulled away from them because all three of us have got to say we're guilty, but we're innocent. And then they show you that when Jason was 16, when they were yeah. convicted for the 16 years old, so they show you Jason was offered a deal twice. Uh, twice that if he turned on Eccles, then he would get a much more reduced sentence and just pin it on him. They just need one conviction for this. And, and what did he say when he, he was said, offered no, that? I was brought up better than that. That would be untrue. My God. The integrity of that man. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I mean, right. you see them now as adults compared to when they went in. I mean, Damien and Jason. Damien looks like Chris Angel and Jason Baldwin literally looks like the Riddler now. <laughs> like, yeah. Now he's came out. He and does. Then, it's not like going to prison in Monopoly, right? It's a lot harder. And then you see Miss Kelly and um, you seen the tattoo on Miss Kelly's head. I did see. What was that tattoo? I couldn't make it's, that it's out. It's like a clock or a sundial. On his, oh, wow. on his on the skull. Now I hope, I hope he wanted that tattoo. Like, do you know what I mean? Well, you like, mean he woke up with it one morning? I just mean I hope he wasn't pinned down and someone. What now? The time when they're walking around the yards, so they've got the local <laughs> idiot, fucking drew a clock on him and tattooed it on him for the rest of the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Poor bugger. Absolute poor bugger. Um, the judge. So eventually, Jason says, Jason Baldwin said, "Okay, I'll take the what was it? The Ulford plea." Alfred, yeah. Alfred Al- the plea. Alfred plea. I'll take the Alfred plea as well. So then the judge sums up, and here's what he says. What I've just described is tragedy on all sides. And he's right. It was, yeah, it was It was so sad. And they're released there and then. So they'd each served 18 years in prison, and then you get to see them meeting their friends and family, which... Just quickly, who steps up after the judge talks? Oh, it's the oh, it's the prosecutor, isn't it? Scott Elton goes. No one wanted to hear me talk, but my voters needed to hear from me. So he stands up and literally says, "I believe these guys are guilty. I know they said they were guilty, and that's yeah. slimy, dirty as fuck. Oh, piece that. of shit, man. And he even says we've saved a potential lawsuit, which could have cost the county 
in in the millions because again there's making a, there's a few documentaries that run parallel to this kind of behavior and you start to realize the little segments and who does what and it helps you piece together other ones that we will w- watch but like it's just disgusting Effectively, he's as bad as the killer right because mm. he's allowing that killer to go free and we've got the i've, I've seen enough of those I've, I've, i haven't seen many of them but you know the cold case tv shows where they look at they always get a conviction, right? So someone out there, especially with Peter Jackson money behind you, they're going to find the real killer. Mm. But yeah. no, then, then the documentary ends. And this is now I'm screaming at you. Fuck you, Wharton. What did you get me to watch this for? It, there is no ending. Okay, so those three guys get out of prison. They're, they're proved innocent. Well, they're proved innocent, yet have to plead guilty, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And and then what? It was so frustrating. So we didn't hear any more about are they trying to get hold? Are they trying to prosecute Terry Hobbs? Are, are they going to carry on trying to find the killer? No, they're not because they've got three lads who just said they were guilty, stroke innocent. So they haven't got to go after the killer. So effectively, the killer killed the three kids in the beginning, and then he destroyed the life of those three teenagers because then they'd done 18 years in prison mm-hmm. and the killer's still walking free. And yet we've got enough evidence to go after someone else. And what the fuck is happening in Arkansas? Hey, hey it is, it, like, I, like I said, I thought like the end and yeah, it's a little, the Alfred plea is interesting, but it's sour. They're not going after the new, new leads. And um, that's because you see, Terry Hobbs is outside the courthouse while yeah. they're having this appeals process. And you've got Stephen Byers point at him and say, there's the fucking killer over there. Um, oh, mate, it was so miserable. Like, just utterly miserable. And th- there's no justice anywhere. Absolutely no justice anywhere. Yeah, and that was the end. And, and you see and him shopping they... for Halloween things. Um, yeah, and he moved out. Of, Damien moved out of Arkansas. He's not going to go back to the state of very, Arkansas. Very smart to do that. Very, very yeah. smart to do that. Absolutely. And if I go to, if I ever go to Graceland, I'm not going to drive 20 minutes over that river, just in case, right? Because they, if they're going to find you guilty, you know the Simpsons, um, the baseball episode, and the cops pull over. I think it's Steve Sachs, the baseball player, and they say. Uh, where are you from? And he says, I'm from New York. And he went, there was a murder in New York. <laughs> <laughs> then you just see Steve Sachs in prison. And he goes, there's a lot of, there's a lot of murders in New York. Oh, we've got a talker, have we? <laughs> you just don't know when to shut your mouth, Sachs. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not going uh, to go Arkansas anytime soon. And because it's in Arkansas, Bill Clinton, mate, step up to the plate. You're an ex-lawyer. People oh, trust you. Oh. Get involved, Clinton. Get involved. You wait until we watch the Epstein documentary. You don't know oh, Bill Clinton man. anywhere near justice. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, that man is evil. And, and then it ended. And there was a great quote just before the credits rolled. To everyone everywhere who sat down and wrote a letter, who stood up and said, this is not justice. To everyone who gave their support, their time, their love. Please know this, you made a difference. You made all the difference. And that was from, yeah, the, the free lads. Yeah, I, and like you say, I enjoyed it. Do you want to hear some little, little tidbits I looked up after it was finished? 
Yeah. Look, okay. Knock well, you I, down with a feather. Look at you. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm, <laughs> this this is my speechless face that you're now now sitting opposite. Now, now, that, now that I have a beer pen, I don't have to leave to go outside after a documentary's finished. So I did some more. <laughs> All right. Come, so, hit, hit me with the tidbits. Very sadly, is what we're going to prefix every word I'm about to say. <laughs> oh, uh, wow. Byers died uh, in 2011 in a car crash. No, no, Byers died in a car crash this year, not 2011. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. So he was the stepdad of... Um, He's the one who got blamed Stevie Branch. in the first no, of, one. Yeah, of Christopher Byers. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, Hobbs never convicted. Right, he was the stepdad dad of Stevie Branch. Here's a weird one. Watched a little bit about Damien Eccles, and do you know how right. he says very quickly once, and there's not every whole heap said about how he wants to do magic. Yeah. When you look it up, what he's talking about is magic with a K, and it is this whole alternative lifestyle about spiritualism and trying to find peace within, and almost sounds. A little bit culty. <laughs> so so the documentary basically never corrected people thinking he was doing fucking card tricks in his cell because they're like, let's just keep the cult bullshit out of this now, Damien. Yeah, enough okay. bother, you dumb yeah, fucking yeah. goth. <laughs> like... <laughs> but I think it's a, heart, it, it's a heart-wrenching story. It's a tough watch. Uh, but it, uh, again, if we are, and we are definitely walking down a path of true crime, in large amounts, so if you can hit that coffee button so Matt can stay awake during these, because <laughs> if, if you know what's coming, if you watch these documentaries, this is the tip of the fucking iceberg for you, young man. <laughs> this is... Man, it was so miserable, but it's so compelling. Can we watch Chicken People again, please? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. And I would, I would put it out, I'd put it out there to a vote for our listeners, but I don't want it to be voted upon by people who Matt's helped move. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep autonomy on those decisions. <laughs> Six and counting in the last two months. Um, I'm so beginning to think uh, our marketing strategy for this podcast, because you don't understand, like, if you listen to this and you actually don't know who we are, God bless you, whoever you are in Romania listening to this. But... You don't realize how nice a person Matt is. And I think all of our <laughs> listeners, you, it's literally, have you ever seen Bill Murray in the end of Groundhog Day? Yeah. When he's actually done something nice for everyone in the town. Yeah. <laughs> Ned, <laughs> Ned Ryerson. <laughs> this is pretty much what our marking is. Going, Matt Wills, he gave me, he gave me a kidney. I only met him twice. <laughs> yeah, I'll listen to Grizzly Man. <laughs> Um, well, that's a thank you. That's a that is an incredibly nice thing to say. Thanks. That's actually that's again twice in this in this episode. You've made me feel lost for words. So, Rick, hit me with your. Well, I tell you, what, seeing as I was the anti against this, I'll give you my score in the door because I don't want to influence you. No, that's fine. I don't I, change my scores. I I'm gonna give this a four point five. It was listen, I. I know I'm a sensitive little person, but it it was a great documentary. Yep. It really was. It was incredibly well made. Um, the twists and turns in it are expertly done. She mm. she really tells a good story, right? She didn't trample on anything. Yeah, we've watched enough just to appreciate the direction and the journey and yeah. the whole making you hate these little shits at the beginning and then yeah. explain to you afterwards it wasn't them. I think. Yeah. Is it? as much of a journey as anything. 
but I'm holding up my my nose because I also give it a 4.5 in case Matt thinks he's now encouraging me too much. <laughs> um, no, no one controls Rick Wharton, even <laughs> I know that. <laughs> my scores have integrity, sir. My scores have integrity. There's going to be a book like the fucking Chicken People book of going, no. No one was deposed, no higher than the 3.5. <laughs> but the footage found in this, uh, it's it's heartbreaking, but it's real, it's raw, what you see. what It's, it's pieced together really well. And at least at least they got out. And it will. It, I think the conclusion to this documentary will be the conclusion to a few others that are still unresolved as well. So do you reckon there's going to be a West of Memphis part two then no 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 definitely not I mean, right okay all right I mean, if there's a murderer in arkansas I, I would call a miss kelly myself just for a cheap collar but um what i'm saying is like things like making a murderer i think you might hear the word alfred play it someday there's um, a right. few other there's a one called the confession tapes where they do all that shit and people who take alfred please after they've been released because they just come after them and say that we're going to try you again and again and again until we get you so you yeah. take the Alfred plea and then it's gone and that's on you for life. But it's an interesting thing that you never, I, I would never heard of the Alfred plea or, or any of this kind no, of shit that went through. It's, it's fascinating seeing another country's uh, version of justice. And I'm, I'm sure we've got our own issues in, in Britain. We're going to have to watch some, some British ones, right? I mean, someday I've got two ideas for the marketing uh, department. Uh, the idea, one idea is we could actually, I, I could get in touch with the Harrogate Six and see if they're willing to tell their story. <laughs> um. <laughs> tell us what, what sort of cake was it, Jonathan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How big was the bottle of Smirnoff you smashed out of someone's chair? Yeah. Um, so it's funny, one of them was called Johnny as well. Um, so that, There's always the, a Jonathan in the group, Rick. Uh, and also... Uh, due to uh, Zoom calls and how cheap looks like life is in Arkansas, I was thinking if we reached out to Terry Hobbs, you might want to do a follow-up episode and clear his name. Oh, you could do. Uh, you'll be doing that on your own because he's a piece of shit. Uh, and and that's because that's the way they wanted to make him look. Right, let's wrap it up, baby. It's difficult to make him look good now, though, isn't it, Matt? I know you have the whole light and shit. But, um, but if he's if he's guilty, then put him on trial. Right, this is... I would love a 10-minute chat with Terry Hobbs on this. Really? I would think that would be fucking fascinating. Even if he's just doing what you're going, is he going to name Terry? Maybe. I'd, I don't I'd rather get Amy Berg on the show. Who's Amy just Berg? The director. And go, oh, right. Wow. So who did it, Amy? Because she must have sifted through a lot. Oh, of stuff, who are you going right? to ask that to? Amy Berg or Terry Hobbs? Come on, <laughs> who knows? No, well, Terry Hobbs is going to say no, but Amy Berg, she's going to have a, she's going to have looked through a lot of stuff. So, and I'm going to, so one day on the ticket, we are going to do Janice, Little Girl Blue, just because I love Janice. Joplin I'm up for voice. that. Oh, and is that a music, music, musical one? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's Janice Joplin. You'll like Janice Joplin. It'll be all right. Um, and I recommend that you watch Amy Berg's other one, Rick. And let's see if we want to put that on the docket. It's called Deliver Us From Evil. And it's about the... Have you seen the film uh, where... Ah, it's where they the Boston newspaper goes after the Catholic Church. Yes, what's it called? Spotlight. Pedophiles. Spotlight, yeah. Okay, so this is about Spotlight. They deliver us from evil. That's a good show. Um, um, going yeah, clear yeah, will be, really be soon. Actually, that's right. one of the ones to check out there. 
Okay. So come back and join us week in, week out. Myself, Matt Wills, Rick Wharton, I will bid you adieu. Goodbye. Rick. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Ta-da. Oh, 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 oh.